This is Live On Purpose Radio, episode 565, What to Do When You're the Speaker, with Jim Cathcart. Now is the only time to create and live the life you love. I'm Dr. Paul Jenkins, the positivity psychologist. My job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships, business, and mental health. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today, returning actually to the show, is Jim Cathcart, who is the author of the book, What to Do When You're the Speaker. And it's not just this book. He's got about two dozen books out there including a a bestseller called The Acorn Principle. And if you go back in the archives of Live On Purpose Radio, you'll find an interview that I had with Jim, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years ago uh, on that particular topic. But I am thrilled to welcome my friend Jim Cathcart back to the Live On Purpose. Mike, welcome, Jim. Hey, it's great to be with you, Paul. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I love the fact that you're a person who shrinks the size or 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 difficulty of people's challenges while expanding their mind and their life. Mm. You know, when you understand the principles, it's not magic and it's not luck, right? In fact, Jim, as I was reading your book, your new book, mm-hmm. it first of all, as I was getting into it, the whole endorsement page it's kind of like a who's who in the speaking industry. We got Les Brown. Yeah. We got Brian Tracy. We got Shep Hyken. We got Nito Cubain. I mean, but you, to me, Jim, are one of those people. Thank you. Because as, as one of the early members of the National Speakers Association and a past president, um, I remember when I first came into the National Speakers Association, And this was uh, a few years after you had served as president, but uh, you were there as one of the the Hall of Famers, okay? And you do hold the designation of CPAE, Council of Peers Award of Excellence, which is the National Speakers Hall of Fame. Yep. And I remember as I was looking at you, and some of the other Hall of Famers that we have in our organization and thinking, I just really, I, I want to be one of those guys. <laughs> now you are. <laughs> and now I go to the meetings and I, I greet you and the other people there in the association who are just so generous and kind and open. And and then as I read through your book, Jim, it it really summarizes what I think has made you successful as a professional speaker, and the others that I admire so much, there are a set of principles that govern their behavior and how they show up. And you can tell the difference because there's other people who who want the fame or the notoriety of being a motivational speaker without having what I think of as the heart of, of the motivational speaker. Is that fair? 
Yeah. Uh, I've, I've found it in many, many professions. There are people that can sing the song beautifully. Mm-hmm. They don't get the lyrics. You know, it, it doesn't doesn't mean anything. It was like one time. I, I, I don't know if it's true or not. I heard Elvis Presley was in Las Vegas up in his suite and he saw Robert Goulet on television singing a song. And Goulet was brilliant as a as a performer, but he didn't appear to have the heart in the song. And Elvis shot the television out of frustration with a with a pistol. And oh. Elvis was one when he did a song, man, he did a song. You know, you felt yeah. it. Elvis did it. He was one of the most amazing of all time. Well, the same thing's true for speakers, though. I know speakers, and so do you, who are brilliant on the platform, and you don't want to be around them off the platform. Mm. Uh, they're high maintenance, they're self-absorbed, or they are aloof, or they're whatever, but they're they're not the same person you just saw on stage. And then there are people like you and I are talking about who are just salt of the earth. And you you find them on the side of a road fixing a flat tire uh, on a limo, helping the limo driver instead of sitting in the back and waiting for him or her to do it themselves, you know, or waiting for AAA. All the time complaining about being late. (laughs) Yeah, what what the, the, the Jewish folks call a mensch, you know, just a good person. Mm. And, and uh, I think that's the key. I, when I chose this field back in 1972, after hearing Earl Nightingale on the radio, I said, I want to be the kind of person that would have that sort of career. There's a difference between that and saying, I want that kind of career. Mm. Not the second part. Because mm. if you are the kind of person that would have that kind of career, you're going to attract like a magnet the experiences you want. And if not, right. you're going to have to work like a you know, a slave to achieve what you want. And it won't be natural or sustainable. Yeah, sustainable. That's a better word. You know, um, I, I just have to talk to you about this. You mentioned this in your book, that it's a well-known fact. I don't know if it's a fact or if it's just lore but it's a well-known thought that public speaking is at the top of everyone's fear list (laughs) in fact on most lists that i've seen as a psychologist it comes in above death right the fear of death i remember jerry seinfeld picked up on this and he said that means the guy giving the eulogy at a funeral would rather be in the box And that's kind of funny, but you put you pointed something out in your book that I've also heard our colleague Dan Clark talk about, mm-hmm. and that is that people aren't really afraid of speaking. No, not at all. They're, they're afraid of of speaking poorly and being judged for it. Yep. So it's judgment we fear, right? Which you know, I mean, if, and you can trace this philosophically all the way back to the beginning of time. I mean, take the Bible, for example, Genesis. Uh, What was the sin that got Adam and Eve kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Eating the fruit of a tree that they were told not to eat. Now, what was the tree? Yeah. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, judgment. Uh, The tree of 
being judgmental. Mm. And judgment is, I mean, you can find any context you want, whether it's couple relations or business teams or selling situations or public speaking. The thing that complicates it is always judgment. Mm. One person making faulty or, or negative assumptions about the other or you know, looking down on them or whatever, but it's always a better than, less than equation. And, and it doesn't right. require any religious understanding to get that. It's a universal truth. You know, what's interesting about that, Jim, and I've studied this a bit as a psychologist. I don't think we can turn it off. No, no. Well, when you boil it down to its essence, thought is judgment. Because, I mean, when I say this yeah. is a cell phone, I've just made a judgment. It's not a dog. Right. You know, I mean, so thought categorizes something. So it, it kind of comes to what kind of judgment are you making? And where is it coming from? Here or here or here or, you know, where? Right. This is one of the things I really appreciated about your message in this particular book, because as a speaker is preparing yep. to take the stage. Now, I, I appreciate what, what our colleague Naomi Rodi said about this, that it's the privilege of the platform. Indeed. That why are you up there with a microphone? And no, what no. gives... <laughs> Yeah, you know what? What gives you the right or the privilege to be in that position? Which goes back to the Dale Carnegie. I think it's Dale Carnegie, uh, where they say, "Why is this speaker speaking at this time to this audience on this subject?" That's the structure right. for an introduction, right? Why? Yes, this time to us on this topic. And there are really good answers to that. Yeah. Because you know something or hold the key to something that they need to unlock. Mm -hmm. And when or you even keep if that... you're a performer, you hold yes. a performance that will affect them in a way that's worth paying attention to or paying for. Right. Swift, right? 250 I'm... bucks a ticket. Yeah. I'm glad you added that part about the performer because you know what, Jim? The last time I heard you on a mic, you also had your guitar. And you were entertaining us at a barbecue in Austin. You mean that guitar? Which that guitar on the on the wall over there. I'm never those of you from a guitar. Those of you who are listening in uh, on the audio only, Jim is sitting in a space that includes a, at least a couple of instruments yep. that you can you can draw on immediately. Jim, I have to just share this with you because. Uh, years ago, when you visited our chapter, just as I was coming in as the new president for the NSA Mountain West chapter, and we had some exchanges there, you wrote a little song for our chapter. And I think you do this occasionally, you know, with your audiences, because you bring who you are to the stage in, in all of your authentic goodness. Thank you. And you had written a song for us, and I am musical. But my instrument traditionally has been the piano. Mm -hmm. And when you visited our chapter, it got in my heart and mind that I needed to take guitar lessons. So at the age of 50, 
I signed up for guitar lessons. Outstanding. Because I couldn't picture you, Jim Cathcart, going up on the stage and saying, hey, hand me that piano. (laughs) 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 So you inspired me to get a little piano on you. Yeah. A little more portable kind of an instrument. And um, and then I also wrote a song that I sang and performed on the guitar when I was passing the baton to the next president of the chapter a year later. And uh, it was just a really enriching growth experience for me. But this this goes back to something that I wanted to acknowledge with you here on the mic, Mm -hmm. because speakers change lives. And it's not necessarily what they say. It's what their audience hears and what they connect to and what commitments yeah. they then make in their own heart and mind as they move and forward. they see you before and after you're on stage, too. And that's part of your message to them. Yes. And I, I use that as an example, Jim, because you probably didn't even know that you had inspired me to take guitar lessons and to actually perform on the guitar one year later. Wow. Um, but I did that. Good and you. so you changed my life. You've changed it in other ways too, but I'm just using that as a little example. Speakers change lives. The privilege of the platform is not about you. It's also it's the about- duty of the platform. You know, the obligation. Yes. And you've definitely got an opportunity and a privilege, but at the same time, you're responsible to them to do something that's good, that's worthwhile, that make things better instead of bringing fear or judgment or, or you know, small thinking or hatred or any of those other things. Right. Yeah. Which we've got enough of in the world. Right. Yeah. I th- and you, that leads me to, and I know we're jumping around a little bit, Jim, but oh. I've just been, I've just been waiting for you to get on here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the the question comes up occasionally are speakers a thing of the past is this an outdated modality of communication you know with artificial intelligence and with all of the uh, the amazing technology that we have nowadays and i know you've got some thoughts about that i'm just going to turn you loose on it for a minute well at the national speakers convention this summer And you and I were both there, and we witnessed, along with 1,200 other professional speakers and entertainers and authors, we witnessed one of the most amazing audiovisual presentations ever done on a convention stage. It was delivered by Sylvie D'Agusto, and it was done with AI and hologram, and there was a big screen of beads in front of her that you could see through from the audience. But that's where they projected the the uh, holograms onto it. Mm-hmm. And we saw her at one point, it looked like she was standing in the center of a human brain. And as she would gesture and make comments, words would appear and things would take place inside mm-hmm. the traffic. I mean, never had any of us seen anything of that scope before. And it was brilliant. And and I I said to her afterwards, you've just raised the floor where mm-hmm. we begin in this profession. So all of us have to up our own game just to be able to hold our own against that. Now, 
Two, a day later, the keynote speaker in the middle of the day was Don Hudson from Memphis, one of the original members of NSA. He didn't even use a slide. He didn't even right. hold up a prop in the palm of his hand. He stood there and told stories and shared ideas and held us with held rapt attention throughout his whole talk and got a standing ovation well-deserved at the end. So here was an example of speaker only, no props, and an example of speaker with every imaginable prop. And both of them were brilliant. So did one make the other obsolete? No, definitely not. Is there a place for each? Absolutely. The point is yes. not the delivery medium. The point is the human that originates it is the source of the value. AI can only uh, summarize what humans have already stated. So you right. and I are the original sources. You know, we are creators. That, I love the way that you said that. And I agree 100%. In fact, as I was thinking about Sylvie's presentation, and it was brilliant and okay. impressive. Without Sylvie, I would have checked out after about two minutes. Probably so. Yeah. It's impressive. And it's like, yeah. wow, oh, it's cool. Cartoon. Yeah. But it's Sylvie that brought the heart to it. Mm -hmm. And then you talk about Don Hudson. What what an amazing professional he is. And he's been at it probably as long as you have. <laughs> yeah, he and I, we met in the 1970s at a, a American Society for Training and Development ASTD meeting. It's called ATD today, Association for Talent Development. And uh, we just immediately bonded and we we've been like brothers ever since. We've you know stayed in each other's homes, vacationed together, done all kinds of things. You know, I remember his presentation, but you know what I remember more? What? An elevator ride with Don about <laughs> an hour later. Wow. It tell was just me, me and Don on the elevator. And yep. like you were saying earlier, you can tell the, the best speakers are the ones who are exactly the same on the stage as they are off the stage. I and Don... Don was just as inspiring to me on that elevator as he was on the stage. I, I can tell it. you. As you know, I did from 2015 to 2019, I did a, a lot of lecture tours in China, almost 20 separate lecture tours. And I went to 23 major cities. And every time I was speaking to 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people through an interpreter for four mm -hmm. to six hours a day, four to six hours on the platform every day. Wow. And at the end of my speeches, invariably, and I mean, this is every time, invariably, there would be a handful of them from the audience who would come up and say, Master, teacher, how do I become great speaker? How do I become uh -huh. great speaker? And at first, I answered them in predictable ways, you know, about developing your message and th that kind of thing. Finally, I decided, no, I'm just going to go straight to the core of the issue. And so I started answering this way. And by the way, they like the answer better. How do I become a great speaker? Answer. Become a great person and agree to give speeches. <laughs> and it's not a Beautiful. joke. Not no. A joke. No. 
Because if you are so a true. person, you can have a speech impediment that makes listening to you hard work and they'll still do the work because they respect and admire you. Right. You can be sloppy. You can be awkward. All of those things, as long as you're not disrespectful or mean, if you're a great person, you're going to get speaking opportunities and leadership opportunities. And it's going to come from who you are, not from just the presenting skill that you've acquired. I told you earlier that you inspired me to take guitar lessons, and I I wrote a little song for our chapter. Oh. One, one of the songs that I learned during that time is a song titled, It's Not About You. Ooh, I like that title. And I loved, I, I learned that one intentionally because I like to find ways to remind myself and those that I have the privilege of mentoring or certifying mm -hmm. or teaching um, because people come to me all the time too. How do I become a, a speaker like you, Dr. Paul? And I'm thinking, man, I used to be in that seat looking at Jim Cathcart up there on the stage. And, <laughs> and it's, it's not about you. Some of the lyrics of the song go like this. It's not about you. It's, it's the people who are blessed by what you do. It's not about you. I like that. And so you can get the theme of this song. And you even mentioned this as, as you were going through different phases of, of developing an effective speaking career mm -hmm. in, in this latest book of yours. And that theme keeps coming up. It's not about you. Focus on the people. What is it that they need? What is it that you can solve for them? And I've even developed a model, Jim, that I call it the influence quadrant. Ooh, I like that. Which is which helps us to understand that when our focus is about how other people feel about themselves, that's when we have influence. If we get all tied up in our mind, you know, like you were saying earlier about the fear of judgment, okay? If my focus is on how I feel about me or on how other people feel about me, I'm going to feel anxiety. Yep. That's from a professional psychologist. There you go. And that's where the fear comes from. I had a woman come to me, an executive in Thousand Oaks, California, a couple of years ago. She said, Jim, I'm a big deal in my business and in my little world, um, but I'm terrified. I've got to talk to do. On, on Sunday night at this big fundraising gala. Yeah. And I said, well, I got a solution for you. And she said, yeah. I said, stop thinking about you. She said, well, yes. what, what? What do you mean? And, and I said, yeah, I caught you, didn't I? And she said, yeah, you did. She said, because that's all I've been thinking about. Right. And I said, that's because, and that's why you have the anxiety. I said, so if you focus on how can I get this message into their minds and hearts? How can I get this information over to them? Then you simply become a vehicle. And it's right. not about you at all. No. And the nervousness just drifts away. And we practiced that. And sure enough, she was able to pull it off. You know, I had you mentioned how, how we impact other people and it lasts. Mm -hmm. I got a call, not a call, an email yesterday. After I did a podcast, a woman who was on the podcast and not on video, so I didn't meet her. I just 
saw her name at the, in a list. She sent me an email and she said, Jim, you didn't know this, but in 1989, I was on the verge of suicide. Mm. And I was in the, the vestibule of a church listening to the Christmas performance at the church. I didn't belong there. And, and so I, I was just sitting there alone, listening, eavesdropping. And a young man came in and he gave me a card and said, it looks like, you know, you could use a friend here, stay in touch. And I carried that with me for a few days and, and didn't act on it. And then finally, one day I pulled it out of my pocket and I gave him a call. And it turns out he was a counselor and he got together with me and gave me some ideas that turned my life around. And one of the things he gave me was a copy of one of your books. <laughs> and she said, you helped save my life. Well, Paul, I, yeah. I almost cried. I mean, that choked me up. And then I, I started thinking, what did I say in that book? So I went to the bookshelf and I got that book out and reviewed it again to make sure that I had taken it as seriously as she did. Because mm -hmm. many years before, there was a guy in my audience who I saw him again a year later. And he said, Jim, you've changed my life. I said, how could I have changed it? This is like 1978, a long time ago. You've changed my life. How could I have changed your life? He said, your, your cassette album. Remember cassettes? <laughs> Books on tape. <laughs> I've listened to it 40 times. Wow. I was, I was terrified by that. As soon as I got away from him, I started listening to my own recordings. And I, I realized how lame it was compared to what I knew and understood later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I I threw away all those audio albums. I put them in the trash. And I started selling Earl Nightingale's recordings again instead of my own, because I realized at that point I wasn't ready to produce my own program yet. Here people were making life decisions based on my lame advice. Are you kidding me? So ever <laughs> since that day, I've taken myself and what I do a great deal more seriously. Because of the impact, I mean, it's like what you do. You know, you you get to go past that veil of of the, the facade of people and get in there and tinker with the machinery, and mm. that's a huge responsibility as well as an opportunity. Right. Yeah. the The impact is immeasurable when you start to consider the the people who can be touched or elevated or blessed by what you do. Yeah. And then who they will in turn reach out to and lift and elevate. This is literally how we change the world. Yeah. It, it, well, the Margaret Mead quote, you know, the famous one, what makes me think that a small group of dedicated people can change the world. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing that ever has. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And I love that. I was speaking to Toastmasters International. They brought me back for the third time in 27 years to be the keynote speaker for their opening ceremonies last year in uh, Nashville. And it was a big convention of a thousand plus people. 
And I came out on stage and, and during my talk, I said, normally I speak to an audience. Today I'm speaking through an audience because mm -hmm. every one of you here gives other presentations. And I know that if I share something of value to you, it will echo around the world. Yes. That's something I love about our association, mm -hmm. Jim, the National Speakers Association, which has given us the privilege of getting to know each other. Um, but the, the other profound and powerful influencers that exist in that organization and outside of the organization, too, um, if for good people to step up and agree to speak. I love that. You know, when and, I look back at, at the early members of NSA, I had the privilege of joining after NSA was like two years old, had a couple of hundred members. Today, it's thousands of members and it's spawned a worldwide organization. But back then, there were only a handful of the big heroes, the, the leaders, the 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 big kids, you know, mm -hmm. that everybody wanted to be at their table. And I was able to meet them, interact with them, and become close friends with them. Cabot Robert, the founder, Bill mm -hmm. Goh, first president, Zig Ziglar, Dr. Kenneth McFarland, Norman Vincent Peale, for heaven's sake, so power of positive thinking. Yeah. Uh, Napoleon Hill. I, I didn't meet him, but I met his partner, W. Clement Stone, and through him, Og Mandino, who wrote The Greatest Salesman in the World and a number of other 10 million plus seller books. And he became a good friend. And uh, uh, Earl Nightingale, I'm around all of these giants of human development. And mm -hmm. what I found was almost without exception, they were really nice people. Yes. Jerks. They weren't uh, aloof, you know, caught up in their own mind. I, look how important I am. People. They were salt of the earth, the kind of person you'd want to live next door to. That's that's why I love what you told that Chinese audience. <laughs> Become a great person. Be the great person and then agree to speak. Use your voice to spread that message far and wide. Yeah. Imagine for a moment if you had the formula for curing cancer mm. and you and you only knew like 70 words in english how many english speaking audiences would book you thousands mm. why cuz you you've got speaking. the cure but <laughs> you've got the cure that's right <laughs> and it's about them wow Jim, thank you so much for contributing here again at Live On Purpose Radio today. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. It's my joy. You know, I, I, people say, what do you do? I used to say I'm a professional speaker and author, and I, of course, still am. But the way I answer is differently now. I say I'm a mentor to experts and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the essence of my business. The speeches or, you know, the kind of like the joy, that's the big performance. Yes. Uh, that's when I'm on stage with an audience. But most of the time, I'm the singer-songwriter behind the scenes, guiding the people and helping create a new hit record. Well, and I'm going to give a little shout out to your current role 
as a mentor, as as someone who has been around the block. Uh, folks, you can connect with Jim at Cathcart, C-A-T-H-C-A-R-T dot com. That's your website. And it looks sharp, Jim. I see that you've got you've done some redesign there. And if and, they do uh, com instead, it takes them to a website that's my digital business card. It's got all my social media links. It's got my TED. Oh, there you go. Things like that. Yeah. Wonderful. So that's how you can connect with Jim. And again, the book, the new book that we've been talking about today, what to do when you're the speaker from someone who's been at it for like half a century now. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, this is gold, folks. And you can't you can't learn from a greater uh, mentor or human being than Jim Cathcart. So go connect with Jim. Uh, Jim is free book. Yeah. Every listener you have. Awesome. Just go to free.cathcart.com. That's a little private page I have where you can download this whole speaker book for free. I mean, you can also buy it in Kindle. You can buy it on Amazon and all that. And please do. But you can get a free copy right now. Just go download it. There's no uh, there's no trap door in that. I mean, I'll have your email address, but it doesn't lead you into a pipeline where I've got you forever. <laughs> <laughs> and even if it did, that'd be a great <laughs> pipeline to be in. <laughs> awesome. So remember, cathcart.com, put a free dot in front of that, and you can get that, that free book offer. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate that. All right, folks, you've heard it from one of the true masters Uh, Jim Cathcart here at Live On Purpose Radio. It's time for all of us now to go live on purpose. Did you get what you came for? Give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today. Please share this episode with someone you know would value it. And leave us a rating too. It's time now to live on purpose.